Welcome to Northern Gold, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by just Sean Wallace and Paul Third. How are we, folks? Good, thanks. I'm good, thank you. Now, both these men have been vaccinated, <laughs> so there's no chance of any of them coming down with any any um, ailments in the middle of the podcast, hopefully. Also, um, I got vaccinated, like... I know where to go. <laughs> yeah, so there could be side effects yeah. to take into account. So if uh, Sean's contribution suddenly dwindles midway through, you know why. It might just be left to me and Paul to bring us home. Anyway, this week we've got um, Aberdeen's scrape by Dumbarton to discuss in the Scottish Cup. There's also the Highland Derby, what happened there. Cove Rangers defeated Ibrox to Rangers. Um, as well as the Highland League sides in Scottish Cup action, Elgin City winning in League Two, and there's also Peterhead's upcoming games to discuss. They obviously weren't in action at the weekend, but yes, back to the Rock. You guys were both there, Aberdeen beating Dumbarton one nil. Dumbarton, of course, a League One side. It was um, by the looks of things not the most entertaining afternoon or lunchtimes football. It's funny because watching, what looking at the stats, you think, "Oh, Aberdeen must have been all over this team." It never, it didn't feel like that. I was amazed when I shot, saw the twenty six shots at goal because yeah. I'm struggling to recall probably half of that. Um, to be fair, that the Dumbarton goalkeeper, said Sam Ramsbottom, he had a couple of terrific saves, one from Ross and another from Lewis Ferguson. But I don't remember too much else. I think Andy Considine had one close range which might have come off of, is it Nat Wedderburn? I think he managed to throw himself in front of it. But you, you never looked and thought, oh, this is it, this team's going to cave. Or If anything, it was they carried more of a threat going forward. They had far less chances, but were more, probably more threatening than Aberdeen were over, over the piece. But the Dons got the goal, and it was a good goal from Callum Hendry. And as to use the cliche, cup tie football, it's all about just getting through. It was a lot more nervy than it should have been against a, a team that were playing. I think that was their fourth game in eight days. Uh, and credit to Dumbarton, I mean, their fitness levels never dropped at any point. And I'm the same as Paul, watching that game, when you came away from it, you, although the stats said 26 shots, it certainly wasn't a game that Aberdeen seemed to have completely dominated. And Dumbarton had a couple of really good chances to, to get like that shock opener. And you wonder, had they got the first goal, how would Aberdeen have reacted? Uh, I mean, the keeper, Sam's, Ram, Sam Ramsbottom, he had, he had a few fantastic saves, particularly in the first half. And I think McCrory had a volley, which from where we were sitting, looked like it was going in the top corner. And it just sort of swerved inches wide. And I thought, oh, here we go. This isn't going to be their day. And... To be honest, I'm thinking this could go all the way to penalties here and it'll be squeaky bump time. But thankfully, Callum Hendy came off the bench and, I mean, it was a great goal from him. He showed intent as soon as he got the ball cut inside and it was a, a fantastic finish. I mean, Hendy's the only person that has scored, was it, in 11 games? No, he's got two goals and that's it. So he's the only one that seems to be bringing a threat because... Florian Camberry, I mean, he started and when he first came into Petodzi, 
I was impressed with him. I thought he's going to sort of tie up the attack, bring it together, bring a threat as well. But he seems to have gone off a boil recently. I saw the the first um, draft of the PNJ fan view that Chris Crichton wrote for Monday's paper. Um, the, the the line didn't quite make it into print, but he he noted the irony in Aberdeen fans having to watch their team struggling to penetrate a Rams bottom. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that makes the the final edit. I've got to that. <laughs> but um, obviously, obviously, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a flashpoint. I think it was in the first half where Adam Frizzell went through for Dumbarton and you're kind of thinking, oh no, are Dumbarton going to get this goal here? But he, he kind of looped it over the bar and then the ball's gone. It's, you know, he's missed the target. But in the aftermath, there was a sort of strange inter- incident where Dumbarton seemed to be thinking they should have had a penalty where Joe Lewis kind of, for some reason, put his arms around Frizzell and sort of pulled, like hauled him down the ground. The ball wasn't, it wasn't far enough gone at that point that maybe it wasn't up for a debate. Would you say? So where I was sitting, yeah, my view of what happened was obscured. And I initially thought that he just lobbed it over and then been sort of fallen to the ground in the effort of stretching for the ball. And then when I watched the replays, Joe Lewis clearly hauls him down. And I think it's a penalty because regardless of whether the, the shot lands on top of the net, I think the intention of it is there from Lewis to stop him going forward in case in case the ball bounces in front of goal and you can follow it up. So for me, I thought it was a stonewaller. Aberdeen were very fortunate to get away with that. It's just a strange one, was it, Paul? It's, yeah, it is. But it's one of those ones that the goalkeepers tend to get away with because they're coming out, making themselves big as the defence. Yes, we are getting the benefit of a replay to see. Well, after he made himself big, he made himself really small, completely around the opposing player to bring it with the deck. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they get away with that one. They all do. They all get away with it. So I'm not going to have a pop at Joe. He he did what all these other goalkeepers do in that situation, I think. Just make yourself as big as possible and take out everything. If you get the ball, great. If you get the man, that's okay as well. Should be noted, they also made a quite uh, spectacular save from Robin Omar just after the break low down to his left obviously we know Robin Omar well from his time at Elgin um, so Callum Hendry we, we discussed the fact that he's the only the only Aberdeen player that seems capable of hitting the net at the moment he won't be playing in the first post-split fixture on Saturday at St Johnston because he's their player of course he's on loan at the Dons from McDermott Park um, do you think could it be arranged that Callum Hendry would be worth a permanent deal for next season, possibly. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of change in the Aberdeen squad with new boss Stephen Glass and, and most importantly, his strikers coach assistant Alan Russell coming in. It's up to how he does, I think. And how he, and more importantly, how he does once Stephen Glass is in situ next Tuesday. I think it's going to be. Um, Callum Henry scored a goal, a good goal, um, and then started the next game and offered nothing and then I didn't see him again until he came off the bench really on, on Saturday and again he scored a very good goal. You would think oh well the guy scored he's he's going to start but now he can't start the next game so I don't know I mean would you start him against Livingston a week on Saturday? I, I don't know it, it depends on how the new manager views his squad because he's, he's going to be basing this on a couple of games he's watched on the telly and the, a week's worth of training by the time the Livingston Scottish Cup tie comes around next weekend. 
in terms of longer term prospects for Callum Henry, I don't know. He's he's talking as if he's going back to St Johnston in the summer, and who knows who knows what plans Stephen Glass has for his his forward line. But I think two goals it's not going to be enough to show that you're the guy should be leading the line or in an Aberdeen team next season. He's going to have to finish the season with a flourish to really convince Stephen Glass he's worth going back for and and paying a fee for. But he's he needs the opportunity to be able to do that as well. So I, I would hope that he would start against Livingston because at least of the three strikers that were brought in on transfer deadline day, at least he's actually delivered some goals, which the other two haven't. I mean, in fairness to Fraser Hornby, he has been injured, but he he wasn't up to sort of match sharpness before he picked up that injury either. And as I said previously, I think Camberry went off the boil recently. Uh, and I still keep going about it, but to take in three strikers and completely rip up the attack on transfer deadline day was just, I mean, it was far too late. He didn't give it players enough time come in and integrate into the squad. I mean, they had to get their match sharpness up. Hendry was the only one that had probably been playing regularly prior to arriving. He's the only one that scored for his parent club this season. And he's the only one that scored since he came here. So I would give him the opportunity because I can't see anything else from the other two lone strikers that would put them ahead of the pecking order at the moment of Hendry. The the other element of this, of course, is is Alan Russell that you've touched on, Ryan. He's coming in. He's highly respected from the work he's done with some clubs in the Premier League in England and, and now with the the England English national team. Um, but he's not a miracle worker. It's a big difference to go from Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling and Jamie Vardy and the like to Flo Camberry, Fraser Hornby, and uh, Callum Henry. Let's be honest here. It's not not like for like that we're comparing that he's going to be working with in the short time he's got with these guys before now and the the end of the season. Yeah, he's He's not going to have any time really, is he, to to put his his mark on the the strikers that are there. Just, well, four post-split games and however long they go in the Scottish Cup. But I I noticed an interesting start about Alan Russell, the, the... the 2018 World Cup. He was basically credited for bringing like a cutting edge at dead ball situations for England. I mean, they scored nine goals in that tournament. It was the most goals scored from dead balls by a team since 1966, since England and Portugal. So it just shows what he is capable of doing. But obviously England have got a far better delivery than those dead ball situations in Aberdeen. So one of my mates said to me on Saturday, um, as a counterpoint, the the much lauded uh, set piece goal against Panama. Um, one of my pals reckoned the to score a free kick against Panama, all you really need to do is say fling it in the mixer and somebody get their head on it. <laughs> but, uh, the the see with with the open play um, attacking. Um, do we think the issue, which I think we've debated a few times this season, is the issue getting the ball and getting the players with the ball in, in dangerous positions? Or at the weekend, did you, do you feel Aberdeen were getting the ball in areas from which they should have been scoring and it's just that final, it's just that shot 
that finish that's lacking, or is it is it the play? Because I mean, I know we'll get onto later uh, co Rangers against Rangers, but one thing I noticed uh, again with Rangers playing against a, a League One side was how how sharp the movement was. How many times you saw players getting in behind? How many crosses and little passes are coming kind of coming across the six yard box and things like that? Are Aberdeen are Aberdeen doing that? The thing that frustrates me about Aberdeen is when they get in dangerous positions out wide, there's an annoying tendency to sort of stop, check back, and then cut the ball behind them, and it kills all momentum. And hopefully when Stephen Glass and Alan Russell come in, they will change that. And when they, it's just there's more sort of impetus going down the flanks and they just hit the byline and get across in to the box. There's, there's two. Because by the time they check back, it's, it's gone. There's two aspects for me. One is a chronic shortage of confidence, along with a lack of tempo to how Aberdeen play. If, if you go back and watch Saturday's match, the first 10, 15 minutes, it's nice one, two touch play from the Dons. They're getting in behind Dumbarton and you're thinking, this is a matter of time here. They're going to they're gonna get one and they're going to be on their way. This could be a four or five. Against a part-time team who, as we've said, were playing their fourth game in eight days. But it didn't materialise. And then it sort of reverted to type. And we were watching the same game. We saw it Dundee United before the international break. And we've pretty much seen it every game in 2021. Where the Dons, good possession, but it's sideways passes. They work it up the line, as, as Sean says. Then it seems to come back. They'll switch it. They're trying to get an overlapping fullback or someone on the right-hand side try and work at that space, oh, it's not there, we come back, we go try out left again, and it becomes really repetitive. Now, what you see at Rangers, who you've touched on, is repetition in a positive sense of that style of play, everyone knows what their job is, and they cut through teams. Cove Rangers losing 4-0 on Sunday was par for the course for what most teams seem to go through when they go to Ibrox this season. But if you look at Aberdeen, their repetition is in a negative sense for me in that it's, it slows right down. Everyone's sort of standing waiting, looking at a teammate to, to do something. All, all we heard was Paul Sheeran shouting at um, young Calvin Ramsey to get, get up and down the right hand side because they were looking for that space because everything was overloaded on the left with Hayes and, and McGinn it seemed to be and there was this huge gap in the right hand side and you're asking a young lad who's getting his first start for the club to be that guy to, to find the space. I, I, that shows you the problems Aberdeen have got at the minute. There's a real lack of combination play, a lack of tempo, and above all, a lack of confidence. Fixing the last one will hopefully sort the first two issues they've got. Having said all that, the <laughs> cup draw, which is carried out on Sunday, <laughs> um, is are we right to be feeling rampantly optimistic about Aberdeen's chances of being the Scottish Cup? semi-final to go in the next round of a home tie against Livy, which could then set up another home tie against Forfar or Dundee, Dundee United. I mean, it, at this stage in the Cup, it probably doesn't get a lot easier than that. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying it could have been a lot worse, especially when you consider that Celtic and Rangers, are gonna, one of them is going to be wiped out after the next round. It's a, it's a good draw for Aberdeen. I mean, two home ties, both capable. You can win both of them, but... If you're not scoring goals, it doesn't matter who you're drawing against or where you're playing. You need to be getting the ball into the back of the net and you need to be addressing that as soon as possible. But 
then either one, either Rangers or Celtic will be going out of competition. So it does open it up. So it's enticing for Aberdeen, and it's it's going to be fascinating. The first game for Stephen Glass will be a cup match against Livingston, where there's so much riding on it. I mean, it's basically all or nothing, is it? Because personally, I think third's gone. So everything hinges on a cup. And in all, the, in all honesty, who, which Aberdeen fan really cares about whether they finish third or fourth? It's pretty much of a sameness, is it? It's hilarious to think they've won two games, though, and we're talking, well, Hamden could be in the often here. But it's uh, that is, uh, let's be honest. This is the best you could have hoped for. Two home ties, avoiding either of the big two, and now you know that one of them is definitely out by the, if you get to the semi-finals. So it's increasing your chances of avoiding a real crippler if, if you do get to the last four. If you avoid Rangers or Celtic, you would think one of them certainly going to be in that final four, given the draw. Then you're thinking, oh, here we go. We're, we're in the final. We've got a great chance of making the final. It's so easy. <laughs> I was convinced they were going to draw Stranraer away uh, a 7.45 kickoff on a Sunday. Would that not be moved for TV? Would, would any <laughs> television so. company pick up? <laughs> I know Premier Sports have got to find another game, but to, to pick uh, Stranraer Aberdeen would possibly, yeah. be, uh, possibly not be the best tie. It should be noted that, of course, Aberdeen have actually lost their last games against Livingston and Dundee United in the league, so it's not going to be it's not going to be a walkover, but and home advantage is possibly worth a bit less at the moment than it traditionally would be. However, can still be optimistic. Can we be similarly optimistic about Saturday's first post-split game um, at St Johnston? I hope so. I'm, I'm hoping beyond all hope that a positive result that they've just had at the weekend is going to give them something to build on this weekend. It has been pretty torturous and, and hard to watch. I bleedingly so at times, but uh, here's here's hoping, here's hoping. But somebody's got to step up now because your two goal in the last eleven threat strikers not there. So <laughs> one of these other guys needs to make their mark at McDermott Park. I bet you never thought you'd be saying that your top striker with two goals in eleven matches. <laughs> not exactly Holland, is he? No, <laughs> Hall Russell. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully they get the win. I mean, it'd be, I'm sure yeah, Stephen Glass will be looking to take over with the side in a, a bit of a positive. With him having racked up a post-split win and progressed in the cup, but I mean, this is an opportunity for the players to impress Stephen Glass because he'll be he'll be watching the, the match. I'm sure yeah, via the a, a live feed somewhere, but. <clears throat> it might be too late for a lot of the players to to impress him because he's pretty, he's already admitted, well, confirmed that he's watched every Aberdeen game this season. So he knows exactly who's been performing, who hasn't, and I, I can't I can't see five post-split games doing much to change a manager's mind after watching them all season and seeing who's been cutting it and who hasn't. All right, well, we shall move on from the Dons then. Next up, we'll have to discuss what it seems like a, seems like a forever ago, but Friday's Scottish Cup Highland Derby between Ross County and Callie Thistle. Okay, so Friday's Highland Derby, 
Carly Thistle picking up a, a long-awaited win, I think, in Dingwall against their their rivals, the championship team running out 3-1 winners in the end, having been a goal down. Um, she agree with me. Thirdly, that um, how County got themselves in front, we'll, we'll never know because uh, Carly Thistle started far quicker with a lot more intent. They had a few chances before County sort of had <laughs> went in front from Billy McKay's goal, which was a sort of header, a flick on that was then headed in by McKay at the back post. But yeah, Cali Thistle, far superior in the night, deserved to go through. Um, what You were in Ross County Press this morning. How What are reflections like a few days on? Um, well, first of all, which word do you want to use to describe Ross County's performance on Friday? Awful? Woeful? Rubbish? <laughs> any, any of them apply. They were just dire on Friday night. Um, Sit in the fence, Paul. They were. If, have a look. You find me a Ross County fan and went, that's what I want to see from my team. And we'll get them committed. No, it was bad. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was <laughs> and it's shocking. Um, I, yeah. There was, again, I'm using this word again, a lack of tempo. There was no, they just didn't look like they were up for the game at all. I don't know if that's closed door football, but Carly Thistle were certainly up for it. In, in terms of a reaction today, John Hughes was saying this morning, he gave the guys a weekend off after that. Clear it out your system. Forget about it. We'll go through it on Monday, look at what we did wrong, look at what we need to do right, and it's now all about, and he used it himself, the cliched five cup finals that they've got left, and that's and that's now where their focus is. I don't know if Friday night, in hindsight, was just one of those games where it's very low in the list of priorities for Ross County this season. It looked like it was. Carly Thistle looked like we're in the cup to, to have a real go and make an impact this season. Ross County played as if it was a distraction and something they didn't need. And that's why, where where was the fight? Even going 1-0 up, the, the ship and equaliser straight away. And in the second half, they were never in it. They got, were lucky to get away with 3-1. I think there was obviously the mitigating factor of the fact that County had had a couple of weeks off and Cali Thistle had been racking up the wins. There's a, there's a momentum factor there. Clearly, Cali Thistle playing with a lot of confidence on Daniel McCann. But yeah, you mentioned the Todorov goal. That was... To, to have found themselves under the cosh early on and then get your noses in front, like use that as like the spark, don't then go and concede straight away. I thought um, Daniel Mackay's goal, although he's a really promising young player and it's a good run from him, to, to be able to step inside between two defenders so easily and finish was, like, as as Jason Naismith said in the P&J on Monday, if they play like that in the league, in the post-split, they're going to get relegated. Um, it must be said, I think, as I said on Friday as well, that Shane Sutherland's goal was pretty good, the way he sort of chested the ball in his path and then finished um, from the angle. But uh, County, clearly, an absolute huge game this weekend, away at Kilmarnock. Um, if they lose it, Kilmarnock will leapfrog them into 10th, putting County in the at least in the playoff spot, depending on what happens with Hamilton's game, County could be bottom of the table. By Saturday evening. There could be. Or there could be a four point gap <laughs> on second bottom. It's just so that's this is where we're at now. Um we've remember Dundee famously being ten points clear. And you're thinking, oh well, they're fine. And they just had a shocker. I think they lost every game and, and were relegated. Anything can happen at this point. That, that what interests me when I look at this running, first of all, that it's getting the the billing it deserves, because it's going to be the Sunday finale. At the, on the last day of the season because the, the top 
half stuff's all going to be done and dusted by the time we get to the final day. But at the bottom, I think we could be looking at a real fraught lunchtime for the, the teams involved. And of those teams involved, the odd one out for me are Kilmarnock. I know they've had a couple of good results recently, but this is new territory for them. Aki's and Anastagis are used to being down and in there, and here we go, there's five games to go, time to roll the sleeves up and get stuck in. We know what we need to do. If Kilmarnock lose this weekend, they're suddenly going to be going, uh-oh, we're in deep trouble here, we're gone. I'm, are the guys there to fight for the club and, and try and keep them, or are they just thinking, well, I'll be I'll be on to the next club after this, because if we go down, they won't be offering me a new deal. It's, it's really a, funny emotions must run through players' minds when they get to this point, especially guys who are not used to being in it. I, I uh, fancied Kilmarnock for the drop about maybe a couple of months ago because they were probably the worst team I'd seen prior to the transfer window. But the signing of Kyle Lafferty has really galvanised them, and I think the I think they've got enough to stay up. I mean, they've got goals in them now, and they're playing with a lot more confidence. So Ross County are going to have a hard, hard game at the weekend. Mike Paul says if they lose this, then, I mean, they're down in the mire. And Hamilton are a club that consistently show how to pull themselves out of this trouble zone. So, I mean, this this is the biggest game of Ross County's season at the weekend. If they lose, they're in the mire. And if they pull off a win, then it just gives them that bit of breathing space and it gives you a game. build some momentum. Aye, yeah. Better watch that I don't bust your back page line for tomorrow here, Paul. But I believe John Hughes has um, has tried to one up Brian Rice in the siege mentality stakes by suggesting that well, yeah, the the ref- referees are bad for Hamilton, but nowhere near as bad as they are for Ross County. <laughs> do you think that's um, do you think that's a, an attempt to pull pull everyone together going into these massive games? Perhaps he was, he was reflecting on the fact that Willie Collum will be the man in the middle this weekend, which he's delighted about. He wanted an experienced official and he regards Willie as probably the most experienced referee in Scottish football. Um, I think he was pointing to some decisions that have gone against him, against Hibbs and St Mirren. And he, he made a point that he, he was laughing when he heard uh, Chipper's expletive laden uh, post-match interview that I think is the politest way to put it. He says, I wasn't laughing at Brian. I was laughing at, uh, you think that's bad? Try being manager at Ross County, some of the decisions we've had against us. So uh, he's had a lot to say. I won't give too much away. I'll let the, the readers uh, <laughs> decide for themselves when they have a look tomorrow morning. But uh, oh, it's, I think the SFA might be <laughs> sending a, <laughs> a strongly worded letter up north soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what you said as well about Hamilton and Ross County, you know, they, they're experienced. They've been over the course before, I suppose. They've got season passes for the struggle bus, whereas <laughs> Kilmarnock are just jumping on for the first time. Um, anyway, Cali Thistle, uh, similarly, big week for them. More more in the promotion stakes for for Cali, given how, how good they've been in recent weeks. They've got a trip to Morton tonight and then another uh, long journey to Queen of the South on Saturday. But they're crucial games, I mean... One, you've got to think at this point if they can just keep that that run going, just keep racking up the points. It's like, you know, it's half the battle uh, psychologically, especially. Um, they can also sort of 
with two wins, because of the position Morton and Queen of the South are just sort of below them, they can also lodge themselves sort of firmly in the playoff spots. They can bat away a bit of the attention from Morton and Queen's. Um, so, yeah, big week. It's all looking very rosy for Carly Thistle all of a sudden. I mean, I was one of the guys ready to write them off just a few weeks ago thinking, I just don't see this. This, this They can't win a game, never mind. Two, three, four, five, as it now stands. That's a that's testament to Neil McCann. And um, we've got to take our heart off to him. We, we thought at the time, well, he's a name, he's a guy coming in, but he didn't have the best spells at, at Dundee. Um, but he's come into Inverness and after a, a few weeks of maybe just getting to know the players and, and how they work and assessing them, he's got them playing in a way like we've said at Aberdeen need to find that momentum, find that confidence. And now they've, they know what they're doing. They've got the belief in themselves. They can go and take on any team and beat them for that matter. And that's so important. And we're seeing that. I think they're a shoe in now for a playoff spot at this point. What I don't know yet is just how high up the table that's going to be. But I wouldn't say that runners up spot and missing that important first rounder of the playoff is beyond Carly Thistle at this point. I think they are the team out of the, the playoff chasing sides who now have the momentum behind them. It's just a shame that with Hearts seemingly trying to limp across the finish line that nobody's got close enough to really put the pressure on. I think Duncan Shearer alluded to that in his column this morning. Hearts are going to win this by default on the basis they had a, a strong start, but they seem to have their legs have gone completely, but it's still going to be enough of a gap to, to inch over the line. When it's all said and done, I wonder if Carly Thistle, Wraith, Dunfermline will all look back and wonder, we really missed a chance here. Really missed a chance to go up automatically. That's, that's a frustrating thing, is it? I mean, Hearts have been imploding and there's no one there to take advantage because they got that early, early lead. And it's, it's so frustrating because it would have been a fantastic title run-in had a couple of teams maybe just got a bit closer to them. But I, I think Paul's right. Carly Thistle look like a team that are going to get that runners-up spot. I mean, five wins on the bounce, four clean sheets in the last five in the league. I mean, that is form that suggests that they're going to get that runners-up spot. They've got all the momentum, and especially post, well, I've said post-split, but no, just in the last few games. I mean, that's what counts. So I'm, I'm backing him to get that runners-up spot and avoid that early runner games in the playoffs. The only league it doesn't go to split now. But, um, <laughs> you got wait, but Inverness. Like the the the, good, the other good thing is the fact that their best player, arguably in Aaron Doran, is still to come back from injury, which can only boost things. And given the attack and threat they showed against Ross County, albeit with the caveats that we've discussed, that you know. It's, as you said, Paul, it's all looking very, very positive in Inverness. Anyway, shall we move on? Got to discuss Rangers 4, Cove Rangers 0 at Ibrox on Sunday night. Okay, when you get a when you get a big cup draw, of course, it's an opportunity for a lower league part-time outfit to really shock a full-time bigger club um going into the game that's certainly the case i don't i don't think anyone maybe suspected that rangers would let this one slip and in the end it, it turned out i suppose that cover on a hiding to nothing 
going down to Ibrox and ended up getting a hiding at Ibrox. Um, I I thought this was the best I'd actually seen. I know it was a sort of slightly changed lineup, but I think it's the best I've seen Rangers play this season. The few games I've watched them, I mean, their passing and movement was understandably a lot sharper than Cove's. Um, given Cove, I've had that big long break. They're part time. I don't think you'll get much of a um, you get much of a better representation of the difference between these full time teams that have been playing week in week out for months and these part time teams that have been off. Um, it just, it just, it was just a painful evening, I suppose, for Cove, wasn't it? The thing that stuck out for me was when you look at Cove Rangers. I think um, our colleague Jamie was down at the match, and he made a point that Cove Rangers have dominated whichever league they've been in for the last what four, five, six years, and they're so used to being the team in possession, on the ball, asking questions of the opposition. It was quite a probably an, an alien concept for them being at Ibrox and having to be the team doing the chasing and they, they struggled, they were, they were being easily pulled out of shape but there's no there's no disgrace in that as, as I said earlier it's happened to most if not all visiting teams at Ibrox this season, regardless of how strong the Rangers team is, they've got a style of play that cuts through you and you have to be super disciplined and you have to really play at the top of your, your game on that given day to get a result it was always going to be a huge challenge for Cove Rangers um, and Paul Hartley's players have to look at the positive and go, well, do you know what? We kept a clean sheet second half. Let's take that and and see what we can take from it and build on it into the league, which as he said from the outset, that's their priority. As, as nice as a trip to Ibrox was, as nice as the chance to go and play against Rangers was for some of the Cove guys who've probably dreamed of that, Jamie Massey being, Masson being one of them, it's still not the main aim for Cove this season. They're now looking back-to-back promotions being in the, being possible for them. So why why don't you just throw all your energies behind that, that goal now? Rangers did exactly to Cove what they've done to every Scottish team that's went to Ibrox this season. They dismantled them just with their, with their pace, movement, and the way they stretched teams. Exactly the same way they did to Aberdeen when they beat them 4-0. I mean, there's no shame in Cove losing four to the Premiership champions. And Paul was spot on, what Jamie had said as well. Just They're so used to playing with the ball, having all the possession and being the team with, with the uh, onuses on them to attack. And it was a completely different proposition for them and they struggled to adapt to it. And it doesn't help when you, like, I think it was a fourth goal when you're trying to play the ball out from your own defence put it across the face of goal or the edge of the box and got punished for it. But all the focus for Cove has just got to be on getting that uh, second successive promotion. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the only thing Cove really care about after Sunday is is the injury suffered by Jamie Masson. Looked like a pretty bad ankle injury. I think they're still waiting results. Have a scan on that. They've got Clyde tonight. They've They've got a game at the weekend as well against them. Barton, Masson will be a big loss to them, won't you? Oh, huge. I mean, were, I was at their game against Airdrie last midweek and they, going back to what we've just been talking about, they had so much of the ball, created so many chances, but they just couldn't put it in, the ball in the back of the net. And then Masson came off the bench and I think it was two goals in the space of about four or five minutes and it was game over. That's what he brings. He, he's He's come off and he's gone, right, 
I need I, I need to go and show I should be in this team for the game at, at Ibrox in the, in the weekend and, and delivered. Then he's got a start there and he's it's turned into a nightmare for the, the poor lad. He's been such a key guy since he went to Cove and he's that support behind the main strikers and that huge goal threat as we've seen for the last couple of years. So he is going to be a huge loss for them. Hopefully it's not uh, anything serious him and he's just out for a, a week or two. Cove could be done with Airdrie possibly doing them a favour against Falkirk this evening. I don't think the I don't think the League One race is quite finished yet. If Cove if Cove can keep winning and Falkirk slip up a couple of times, you know, it's it's still there. I mean Falkirk have been good, but yeah. And I, I, Airdrie haven't necessarily been been good. I think we've you've seen them get beat by Cove and I saw them get beat by Peterhead. But you live in hope. Um Elgin City. They weren't in cup, cup action at the weekend. They were in League Two action, so we'll sort of we'll go to League Two and then we'll come back to the Scottish Cup later on. But um, we said last week that Elgin would be chasing two wins against Brecon and Arnon um, over the past week, following a pretty indifferent um, and noticeable lack of sharpness after the the restart. But they delivered those two wins. The one at the weekend against Arnon was an emphatic three nil victory. So Elgin are certainly back in. Uh, firm playoff contention, yeah. I think so. I think I'm looking at Elgin and Edinburgh City as being the two two teams that are definitely going to be in the playoff spots as it as it stands now. I think they're they both seem to be hitting forum now. They're up and running again, and it leaves it one other spot for the the other teams around them to to play for. But tonight's a huge game for uh, for Elgin. If they if they get a result, then it opens up a a very good, I think it's a six-point gap. I'm, I'm trying to remember um, that they'll they'll have an, on Shinar, and that'll put them in a strong position with the games that are left. I think um, speaking to Gavin Price yesterday, and he he was making a point in a pre-season you need five or six games to really get up to speed, and we didn't have that luxury coming back this time. No club did, but we feel now. After like a result on Saturday and what they did coming from behind at breaking, that they're seeing signs now that they're getting closer to where they were in December before the break. And uh, if he's feeling like that, and now they're going to wait to be hitting for him, if if that's what he's predicting of his team, then they're, they're going to be in a strong position this next couple of weeks. Kane Hester appears to be the key, doesn't he? If they can keep him fit through the end of the regular league season in the playoffs, then they've got a right good chance of being in League One next time. I think I think so, but when you when I look at Elgin and what Gav Gavin's done pretty shrewdly in these games that come back, he's trying to rotate his squad and get everyone minutes because they're going to need it for as his number of games in the schedule they're all facing is going to intensify in in the weeks ahead. Kane Hester didn't start um, the game I was up at last weekend. He he came off the bench not because he was injured, but it's just I don't want to run the guy into the ground. Basically, I I, I need to get give him half an hour give somebody else an hour because we've got another game on Tuesday and then it's oh we've got another game on Saturday and then it's Tuesday and it's it's just it's relentless for, for part-time guys it's just, I, I I really take my heart off to them I don't know how they're they're managing to do this because what they're being asked to do is appalling really just to meet a meet a fabricated schedule of well we need to play the playoffs on this date no we don't we just need to extend the season by a few weeks it's not as if MD's going to Hamden to play these games yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why they couldn't have just extended it by a few weeks. 
it's ridiculous getting these guys to to play like four times in eight days. It just it just creates the potential for more injuries. It leaves them dead on their feet, and these people have got to juggle their own personal lives with this. Like they've got families, kids. Some of them are like traveling all over Scotland two, three times a week for away games. It's just ridiculous. There was no thought put into the impact this could have on players when this decision was made. So, um, I, I suppose the th- the practice is also a bit worse than the theory when you see teams like Clyde having what was it something like six away games on the spin <laughs> in the space of like two weeks. Just just madness. Anyway, we need we need to go back up actually to League One. Um, Peterhead, they they weren't in action over the weekend. Um, they're looking to return to winning ways tonight um, at four for having after the after the restart beating Airdrieonians, beating Dumbarton, but then they obviously lost their Scottish Cup tie with Stenhouse Muir and then proceeded to lose their league game against Clyde last midweek, which I think they were pretty disappointed about. Um, but yeah, the four-four game as well as hosting Park Thistle on Saturday, win both of those. They're another team that can start maybe thinking about being in the championship next season. I mean, I, I know the players' approach is very much at your head because of things like little bits of inconsistency creeping in, like the Clyde result. That just need to keep winning every game that comes their way and see where it takes them. But do we do we have high hopes given they've actually got a few players that have been out and they're coming back from injury? I don't, I don't know if I've got high hopes. Um, I think the top five, if they can finish and get in that split, Jim McAnally will regard it as a terrific season, job well done. I don't know if the Blue Toon have got enough to make the playoffs for the championship. If they if they do, it would be great. Can you imagine Cove and Peterhead in the playoffs? That would be great fun. Uh, certainly. Alongside, alongside Ross County? <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> Peterhead are—they don't have the. How do I say this? I don't. I don't look at Peterhead and think they have the means on resources that Cove Rangers do, for example. And this, the squad seems to change season by season. It's I, I I I don't I don't look at them as being a championship elect club at the minute. I really don't. Um, but certainly, it's a big week for them if if they can. Win at Forfar and then beat Partick, then you'd have to think well they're they're pretty much on course for that top half finish. But enough to get into the playoffs, I'm not so sure. I hope you're wrong. I hope I'm hope wrong to too. Peterhead in the playoffs. Uh. <laughs> we need to, we need to live it. They've got full time teams. They've got in the patch. I feel, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Um, we need to move on. Then we're going back to the Scottish Cup because we had three Highland League sides, of course, in action over the weekend. So we'll need to discuss the I mean it wasn't mixed results um, but varying degrees of performances I would say I think so Brora must be sick must be sick I mean uh, uh, Duncan Shearer again in his column he was at Brora made a point that they didn't reach the heights they set against Hearts but they were they were almost there you thought Dale Gillespie's goal is going to be enough here a couple of minutes to go and is it straight from the corner I think I don't know if Augusta Wind takes it and deceives yeah. Joe Marlin, but it, it doesn't look great. Um, but Joe Joe Marlin's yeah been, for such a good goalkeeper aye. and such a reliable goalkeeper as well. It's a shame that, that like how how often is Joe Marlin on TV and you know makes a mistake like that? I felt I felt for him. He's been such a good 
guy for, for Broda, such an integral figure in their team for, for years. Um, he'll bounce back from that, I'm sure. And he's he's still hopefully got the, the playoffs to look forward to. Uh, in terms of the other clubs from the Highland League, uh, for Martin, we're simply blown away by a Premier team in, in Motherwell. I don't think they ever really got going. I suppose the the one where we had the most well, wondering how's this going to go was was it Bellsley when Fraserburgh played Montrose uh, came from behind to lead 2-1 back to 2-2 by half time and then I think Montrose's fitness and sharpness told in the second half again it was a hard one for the Brock they hadn't played for for months so it's to come back against a, a Montrose team that's in good form in League One was was going to be a big ask but I, I think the Brock did pretty well under the circumstances um, it's back to Brora, that's the team I, I now feel a wee bit for because we still don't know, we're waiting on the SPFL confirming that we're getting a playoff even though we now have Highland League and Lowland League champions. I think it has been has confirmed it? I hope I so think it has. Well, well, yeah. I take it back Yeah. I, so they're getting it, so they've got I think what, is it four weeks, something like that right. So they've now got to train. <laughs> so it's good, but I, I suppose Steve, Steve Mackay's disappointment is that they would have had at least another competitive game before yeah. those big playoff games, something that Kelly Hearts haven't had. So it was a way, you know, it was a real advantage if they could have held out against Renard. It was a real advantage um, again before they went into the games against their Lowland League counterparts. I just felt that it, it was remarkable the way the, obviously, they're holding on a little bit before before the sort of 88th minute when the Stranraer goal came, but just how sa- energy sapping and effect that goal seemed to have um, to then go and concede the two in extra time. And I mean, like to be fair, the third one, the third Stranraer goal was was an absolutely amazing finish. But yeah, just I, I was just gutted for them. I just felt like, especially with the attention they'd had. Beating Hearts, that put more attention on them in this round and for things to pan out the way they did did was, uh, I'm sure, extremely disappointing. Yeah, it was a double dunter for them, was it? I mean, not only did they have the the heartache uh, missing out in the, the next round when they were so close, I mean, they, they also miss out on the game that could give them the extra preparation for the playoffs against Kelty Hearts. I mean, it, it, the psychological blow it must be when you've got one foot in the next round and then you lose a sloppy goal from a corner and then you have to pick yourself up and go again. And unfortunately, Broda just didn't have enough in the tank to do that. It was so disappointing. Well, so disappointing for them because it put so much into the game and after the heroics against Hearts as well. Just uh, It looked like the old classic for the equaliser where... The goalkeeper is obviously expecting the the ball to land a bit of penalty spot, so he takes that he takes that step off his line, which proves to be proves to be his undoing when the ball is uh, misplaced into the top corner. Um, just on the Brock as well. Obviously, they were two one up, and as you said, Paul, it was it was more a case of energy with them. They looked the better team. Um, a point in the first half, and then yeah, it just it it they just seem to sort of lose that little bit of pace, little bit of ability to, you know, get tight to Montrose. And then, I mean, the goal that put Montrose back in the lead at 3-2 from Russell McLean was just, just an absolute world. It just, I mean, 
yeah, and then it, it, 4-2 wasn't probably a fair reflection on the game still, but that's obviously come from the fact that Fraser Brar are desperately trying to get themselves level again and get caught on the break. I, I think so, but it's just it comes down to the there's a difference between being fit and being sharp, and that's what, why you see goals like Russell McLean's going in against the Brock and them really having to work and, and for anything they got out of the game. It's just, there's levels, but on top of the levels, you've also got the, no, we're, we're at a disadvantage here in terms of preparation for this. And, and I feel sorry for the Highland League clubs because they, they were all really put up against it. I mean, even if you go back to the last round, as we've touched on in the previous weeks in the, this podcast, it was shocking, shocking to me. Oh, here's the League One and League Two clubs back and they'll get to play on a Saturday. You guys will all be sitting about and you're first, you'll be dropped in cold on a Tuesday night, literally cold on a Tuesday night against teams who have all at least had 90 minutes of competitive football under their belt. It's, it sticks in the craw a wee bit for me, that one. Yeah, and for Martin to essentially have played Annen were clearly a team that had also had a massive a massive break, although they'd had a league game before they played for Martin, but still, it, there's a difference between playing them and, you know, getting by them on penalties and then playing a Premiership team that have, haven't really stopped and that was when you when you saw the footage from the for Martin Motherwell game, bar maybe a couple of way forays forward early on, it was really clear how much, um, how much sharper and how better prepared Motherwell were going into the game. Like the last few goals, just were you know just crossing the box. There's no one, no one really near the the Motherwell players, but. The most disappointing thing, I suppose, for Fraser Brown for Martin is the fact that that's their season now over with the Highland League having been called. Aye. And w- when are we going to be back? <laughs> that's the thing. So, what's it? End, end of July? <laughs> yeah. What a season. I tell you, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Forest Mechanics were the team that was totally switched on and went, do you know what? I don't think this season's really going to turn out being much of anything at all let's just uh, take a year out and we'll all come back next summer and prepare they're sitting just now going well we called that one right didn't we guys everyone else has been stop start and testing and oh just waste of time i feel i feel for for, for all the clubs <laughs> then you go into juniors and amateurs and all that and oh frightening so they're just oh, getting it's... to come back <laughs> come back to non-contact <laughs> training now I just hope there's some form of normality returning for next season. Don't hold your breath, Sean. I know. I remember we were sitting at Petodi when that 300 fans got in against Kilmarnock and you says to me, this will be the only supporters inside Petodi this season. I was like, oh, stop being so pessimistic. Paul, you're spot on. <laughs> yes, Mr. Pessimistic. That's me. <laughs> no, but you were spot on. You read it. Ending on that positive note then. <laughs> that that, uh, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. As always, you can also email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And, well, thank you and enjoy the football, whichever game you're watching this weekend. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.